All right, everybody, this is Rob for the Midweeks. Welcome here. I'm really glad that you are taking the time to listen to this. Um, One of the smallest podcasts in one of the least populated provinces in a country that has less people than California, the state of California. So if you're here, you're already committed or you really downloaded the wrong podcast stream. But anyhow, give me a shot before you delete this thing. Um, I'm Rob and I want to do two things today. So we finished off walking through Romans and so I want to pick up another book. And so I think it's time that we tackle 1 Corinthians, one of the craziest, most Hollywood, most um, uh, weirdo, most crazy thing uh, in the Bible, this letter written to a church, which is Mayhem Unleashed. And uh, so it's really interesting. It touches on a lot of subjects, and really it's the Apostle Paul writing by the Holy Spirit, bringing the truth of Christ, his cross and his resurrection, and um, the call for Christians to live a supernatural life in the spirit to bear on multiple, multiple subjects. And I like to uh, often think of 1 Corinthians as a church that's a lot like North America. They had a lot of wealth, a lot of time on their hands, a lot of freedom, a lot of intellectual and religious options, and a lot of um, weird behavior coming out of still carrying around worldviews and thought patterns that do not line up with the gospel of Jesus. And so Paul keeps teaching them a better way in the midst of a love relationship and the authority of God coming through the word of God. So this is a great book and I want to jump into it together. So um, why is this such an important book? Okay, uh, I, I want to, to, to frame us for two things. <clears throat> two truths about Christianity, about being a Christian, about Christ. Number one is this, Christians are capable of anything. That's one of the things that I think the letter 1 Corinthians teaches us. People who do believe in Jesus are capable of believing and doing almost anything. And as we work through this book, you'll see Christians committed to doing all kinds of stuff. Some of the stuff that you think, how could anybody think that's okay for a Christian to do in some things? Uh, Paul correcting on that, maybe you do. And so one of the realities about this book is that the it, it helps us see that um, following Jesus, faith in Jesus, is a faith for the real world. Because the Corinthian church is the real world, and nobody would make up if they were trying to fabricate these letters. No one could make up the kind of situations that Paul has to deal with here. So Christians are capable of anything, and... Um, but the, the flip side of that as well is that Paul doesn't back down from addressing this church. And so what the confidence we can have is, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, living Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are capable of addressing in any situation. Christians are capable of getting into any kind of situation, and Christ is capable of addressing any kind of situation. And so as much as there's a lot of cringeworthy moments in this letter, the ultimate tone is um, that Jesus... Jesus is not intimidated by any human situation. In fact, he is the Lord over every human situation and that we can have confidence that the wisdom of God, the truth of the gospel, and the power of the Spirit and the cross of Christ lifted up over human lives uh, can address any kind of situation. So no matter where you are, um, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your issue is, um, Jesus Christ can meet you there. 
and will meet you there and wants to meet you there and is calling you to come to him and find out that whatever situations you might have that you might think um, God doesn't want to deal with, doesn't want to think about, you don't even want to think about it, the Lord Jesus Christ can address it. He is bigger than everything and his gospel is big enough for anything. And so uh, let's start reading. Um, Paul's letters start with um, an address. This is, you know, in, in Canada, they used to teach how to write letters. I don't know if people do it anymore. Usually what you do is you say to who you're writing to, to so-and-so, to Johnny Bugatti, who, who whatever, to you. Um, and then you write your letter. And at the end, it says, sincerely, Robert John Balfour. That's how it ends. Um, the letters in the New Testament times, um, the Greek letters were done a little bit differently. You'd start by saying who you are, and then you'd address who you're writing to, and then you'd have a kind of a greeting, and then Paul goes into a thanksgiving. And so why don't we just start there? We'll, we'll get that far, uh, and then we'll deal with the first problem. And so I want you, though, when you're, when you're hearing me read this, um, I want you to know something. Paul already knows that his church has uh, division issues, pride issues, um, abuse of communion issues, um, despising the poor issues, uh, gender role confusion issues, sexual sin issues, lawsuit issues, gospel and resurrection of Christ denying issues, and money issues. All of these things and more, Paul already knows. And so as... um, as, as you think about this messed up church, and it was messed up, it was really messed up, I want you to think about the amount of um, thanksgiving Paul has. He's going to begin, he's going to be speaking truth to them. This is who you are. Hear him say, this is who you are. I'm defining the people I'm talking to. You've got all kinds of ideas about who you are and what it means to be Christians. But he's bringing the truth of God to help define who they are so they can define themselves accurately by who they are. And he is going to genuinely thank God for them. But, but we need to remember this context. This church is really messed up, but Paul is still going to thank God for something, for them, for God's activity in them. And this is part of what I'm saying. Uh, the real world, uh, the Bible sees the world as it really is. Christians are capable of every kind of mess that anybody else is capable of getting into. But the Lord Jesus Christ is not intimidated and is able to enter into every kind of situation and bring truth and grace and the call to holiness and to live by the truth um, in any kind of situation. And, and, and because of that, Paul has this confidence. Even though he's grieved by many things in the church, uh, and we'll come to that, he has a confidence in Christ for the sake of the church. And so let's read, starting 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so let's notice a few things here. Um, You know, introductions aren't the most exciting part of a letter. Usually, I often skip by them out of a bad habit of wanting to get to the good stuff. But when I do take the time to focus on the introductions, there's a lot to learn there, a lot to see there. So Paul starts off the letter with his own name. Um, There is a wisdom in that. You know, in English culture, English-speaking culture, where you write a letter and you only put your name at the end, there is a, a bit of a lack of wisdom there. Now, with emails, that's kind of solved it because usually the email says this person wrote you and then the subject and whatever. So that, that problem's kind of been solved. But there's a wisdom in starting off with your name here. Paul des- defines who he is, that he is an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, meaning that he um, has been called by Jesus himself to be sent out. That's what apostle means, one who is sent out, a messenger who is sent out, an authority-carrying messenger who is sent out um, by Jesus, and this is in accord with the will of God. So he's reminding them who he is because he's writing them a letter with God's authority in it, and the, this lots of stuff's going to happen in this letter, but Paul doesn't just think he's some guy writing his opinion. He really does believe that he is... Um, an especially appointed person to serve Christ by bringing the truth and bringing God's authority to situations for their good. You know, in uh, old, in, in, in contemporary times, we can communicate so easily by phone, by email, by text. In the uh, ancient times, it was very difficult to communicate over long distances. You would have a letter, and sometimes you could send this letter very quickly. They'd have um, like horse stations where people could, uh, messengers could grab fresh horses every few miles, and they could actually communicate quite quickly. This is one of the things about Roman cultures. They spent tons of money developing the roads so that people could move quickly. But in, in ancient times, and even Roman times, what you would do if, if you were going to um, need to deal with an issue far away, you would empower somebody with the authority to speak on behalf of Caesar or on behalf of the king. The king would say, this is your job, this is your commission, and I send you out, and you go out with my authority. So you can make decisions, you can negotiate, all this stuff, and I, I expect you to be faithful, but you go out with the authority of the king. And so this is something that, that parallels with the apostle. Jesus is in heaven. He's not personally on earth with us, but he sent the apostles um, who were equipped with the Holy Spirit to carry the authority of God so they could deal with situations as they're planting churches. And through the Holy Spirit, they could speak truth and carry the authority of God. And so this is what Paul is reminding us as he's writing this letter. And so he's writing this letter to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be saints together with those who are called in every place, Uh, who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, two things are going on here. You can kind of miss it when when it says those who are sanctified in Christ and called to be saints. In the Greek, those words are... are, connected. It'd be like the hagioi, and they're called to be hagios. The the root there is hagoi or hagi, um, meaning holy. And so you can miss that in English. Um, sanctified and saints are connected. But he's reminding the Corinthian church that they're called to holiness. They call upon God through Jesus Christ, or they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in turn, God calls upon them to be holy, to be set apart for God, and to display their character and their nature as God's holy ones by how they think and what they do. And so he's helping define who they are. I'm writing to this 
church in Corinth that isn't the only church. There's there, They are a church along with all the other people in the world who call in the name of Jesus. And as they call in the name of Jesus, God calls on them to holiness, which begins to prepare them for what Paul wants to talk to them about. He's not writing them this long letter of how wonderful they are. Um, they don't know who they are. They think that um, from in many different ways, they think that uh, the gospel has uh, only empowered them to, to kind of get what they want. And he's going to call them and Instead to say, you know what, as you call on the Lord for salvation, he calls on you for holiness. And you're called to repent of sin and believe the truth and turn and live and speak and act and feel in such a way that lines up with the truth of who you are in Christ. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul does something interesting in his letters in um, Greek culture. If you were going to greet somebody, you'd, you'd say to them, karein. Karain, which means like greetings or something like that. And he changes it just a little bit to say charis, which means grace. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's wishing them well on behalf of God, but at the same time, he he sees that um, this letter that he's writing is meant to be grace from God to them to bring about peace amongst themselves and peace with God as they hear with faith. And then we have this great thanksgiving. He says he's always giving thanks for them, and he's grateful for what God has given them, and he's going to kind of hit two different tones. He's talking about how they've been enriched in knowledge and speech, which is going to come up later as some of them are boasting of their own knowledge, and some of them are criticizing Paul for his lack of mighty speech. He says, you know, I, I'm grateful for what God's done in your midst. He's He's given you the ability to speak knowledge. He's given you uh, um better speech. He's he's enriched you in Christ, and he's going to unpack what he means there. And he also is looking to God, and his hope is in God. And you can kind of sense that he's saying, you know, even as I thank you, I'm thankful to God for you, not entirely just because of where you're at right now, because there's some bad stuff going on, but I'm I'm grateful to God because I know he will fulfill what he started. And so it says this in verse 8, God will sustain you to the end, guiltless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, as he concludes his thanksgiving, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he ends his thanksgiving um, by saying, you know what, one of the reasons I'm just so thankful for you with what God is doing in you is because I know God's going to complete what he began. He's faithful. He'll sustain you. Um, he will present you to himself guiltless in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, when... Here's the lesson we can take for every day. You know, if you're part of a local church, it's not perfect. Sometimes it's very far from perfect. Sometimes it's uh, not a painful experience. But you know, there's stuff that needs to change. Why don't Why don't you think about how Paul gives thanks for this church? He's grateful for what God has done in their midst, and he's grateful to God that God knows how to complete what he started. God is faithful. I can thank God for my church, ultimately because. God is faithful. He started something. He can complete it. And you know what? You can do. You can be grateful for the Christians in your life. You can be grateful um, in the midst of just craziness um, because what God started, he knows how to finish. God is faithful. Even if we experience people as lacking faith, God is faithful. And he knows how to present his people to himself in holiness. And so there we go. The beginning of 1 Corinthians. We'll get into the nitty-gritty um, soon enough, but let that be an introduction to this really important and interesting book.
All right. The next thing I want to do is I want to commend a book to you. I, I don't know if I've done this recently. Maybe I have, but uh, if I haven't, uh, one of my favorite authors for um, fiction, for 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 made-up stories, is a, a guy named Andy Wilson, Nathan Wilson, Nate Wilson. And he's written a, a bunch of series that are kind of junior fiction-y, so they're adventure stories, it's often fantastic with a bit of the supernatural in there. My favorite series that he's written is called The Ashtown Burials, and it starts with one called The Dragon Tooth. Just such a great adventure. Um, the premise is that um, a couple of or no, three siblings discover that they actually live in a world where these, where there are immortals. There are human beings who, through one way or another, have found a way to become immune to death, except that they have been given this thing called the dragon tooth, which is able to kill immortals, which all of a sudden makes them a lot of enemies. And so it's just this great story. I really enjoy the writing, the description, and he pulls in a ton of ancient Near Eastern mythology, which is something I have been interested in and know a little bit about. And so it's just great to find that there's at least one other person in the world who has read about some of this stuff and managed to knit it into a rollicking good storyline. So I want to commend these books to you. If you're a reader of fiction and you like adventure stories, Nate Wilson's Ashtown Burial series are very fun to read. All right, well, that's me for today. I'm off for a couple of weeks. So um, this is going to be me until the end of August. I hope you're blessed. I hope you're enjoying the summer. And we'll talk to you later.